This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenal, and I'm here introducing part two of our Oscar predictions extravaganza. On part one heard earlier this week, myself, Rachel Gordon, Mehek Saeed, all went through the first half of the nominations at the Oscars. And then here we have the second half of the Oscar nominations coming through with who we think will win, who we think should win, and really who might have been snubbed as well. So without further ado... I give you part two of our Oscar predictions. Enjoy. This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. Now we're going on to best documentary. Uh, Rachel, do you have any comments about the documentary subject? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, I have a snub for this one. Um, and my snub is the fantastic um, film Alex Lane's Asperger's R Us. And this film is a documentary about four friends on the autism spectrum. And they're in a comedy group. And it follows them, um, their friendship, how they got to know each other, and getting ready for their final show. One's going to university. They're kind of going away to do different things for a bit. Not sure when they're going to get together again to do a show. It's just... Really fantastic, honest film. A lot of films that have to do, a lot of documentaries that have to do with mental illness are very much like, feel sorry for this person, feel sorry for these people, which is, which is, you know, um, it's not, I don't know what you call it. You know, there's, there's the term poverty porn. It's almost like mental illness porn. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you can watch this and feel bad for them. Like, no, these are great guys. These are funny guys. They're doing cool stuff. It just kind of, you know, it's it's a film to show you, like, hey, these are not different people. These are cool, funny people. It's just about the people. It's not about, you know, Asperger's or autism. It's just showing using people who happen to have it. It's hilarious. They're hilarious. It's so well done, and I'm sad it was not acknowledged. So that's my snub, Asperger's RS. Good win. Now, I love two films that are nominated, which is lovely. I love two films, and I don't think either of them will win. Now, the two films I love from this category are I'm Not Your Negro, and this is based on James Baldwin's unfinished novel on race in modern America. It's a fantastic examination. Um, Just very well-done movie, very moving movie, as is 13th, which is the very well-known Anna DuVernay's examination of, you know, racial inequality, particularly through the lens of the United States prison system. These are both fantastic films, but they're also very inflammatory films. And though we have seen in different award shows, we have seen, you know, a little more political lean in the past few months. I do not see the Academy as wanting to get very political in this time. I do not see them as wanting to encourage that. That's just me. I'm going to say that the, person, that the film that will win will be O.J. Um, not that O.J. is not, you know, controversial in its own ways, but it is in no way at the level of I Am Not Your Negro and 13th. And I just don't see the Academy making the statement of having one of those films win. Okay. Um, I don't have any snubs because the only documentaries I've seen so far this year have sadly been uh, three of the ones nominated. Life Animated, OJ Made in America, and 13th. Um, That said, uh, I, I think... I, I differ on what your your thoughts are on OJ, where I think 
that movie is even more political than 13th because a lot of the stuff that they they go on i I actually spent the last week watching that because it's an eight-hour film it's really long um they really break down what the issue was for for race relations for black people going all the way from the civil rights through the O.J. Simpson trial and where it's kind of at today to the point where it's realizing where not much has really changed for the better in a positive light that this sort of subject that 13th tackles. And my issue with 13th was I found that if you've kind of been paying close attention to the news, they're really not exposing anything or teaching anything that's new um i i walked away from 13th not really learning anything about it whereas i walked away from oj made in america learning so much more and like it was just so exhaustive and everything so because of that i think oj made in america should win and it also really will end up winning because it's just a spectacular documentary one of the best i've ever seen it's so in-depth while never getting boring never feeling slow and i don't think you can say that about any other you know five part eight hour movie that is being made on a single subject i think it was just absolutely stunning um heck what about you um well i haven't seen any of the nominees in this category so i don't really feel like my opinion is valid in this case or relevant um it's purely superficial and i just think that given the permanent interest in the oj case as well as the sort of excitement and the presence of it last year uh, between this documentary and the FX show, The People versus OJ, I, I just think that the climate is probably right for this documentary to win. And that's all I've got to say. All right. So best foreign film. Um, Mehek, do you want to start us off on this one? Again, I sadly have not watched any of these films. They were all on my radar. Um, a lot of them were at TIFF and I just didn't get a chance to catch them. Um, I think you know, all I can really say is that I've heard the salesman is particularly incredibly entertaining and good. And um, I have a feeling that, you know, given some of the discussion about the film and also the fact that the actual director and the cast can't or are refusing to attend the Academy Awards because of the political state in the United States, um, it will pique the interest of a lot of Oscar voters. I have a feeling it just, and I'm, I'm talking purely from a the po- political aspect of how the the Oscars work and the Academy and how they vote and everything. I think that will draw their attention to it, and I could see them awarding it to, um, you know, not only based on the merit of the film, but also based on the the statement that's coming with it. Okay. Uh, for me, I think my big snub this year is The Handmaiden. I was talking about a bit earlier um, for its editing prowess, but it was a damn shame that South Korea did not even submit The Handmaiden as their foreign film uh, contender, uh, even though it was racking up accolades across film festivals and by critics alike. So I, I have no idea what South Korea was thinking by not submitting The Handmaiden for this, because I think if it was nominated, it might very well have been the winner this year. As far who I think should win and will win, 
I have seen three of the nominees. Sadly, I have not seen um, Tony Erdman and The Salesman, the two movies that seem to be the big front runners uh, this year. So, of the three that I have seen, I think the one that should win is Land of Mine. I, I just finished watching it right before we started recording this today, uh, and I thought it was beautiful and intense and a very fascinating interesting story that i knew nothing about as far as um after world war ii denmark used german pow's to remove nazi landmines from the coastlines that they had buried there and it was basically like the war had continued for denmark because they they basically treated them pretty terribly where thousands of people ended up dying because of of this issue uh and it was basically like slave prison labor um who will end up winning i think you're absolutely right Mahek. the salesman really seems like it, it will be the winner uh when the nominations first came out tony erdman really seemed to be the front runner um but comedies don't usually end up winning and with all of the politics that are going on around i think that really bodes well for the salesmen because i think academy voters will be using this nomination uh as sort of a middle finger to to donald trump and the rest of the the u.s administration right now uh as a support for uh the people behind this and of the people of iran and other countries affected by these travel bans and the Academy has already proven to love director Asghar Farhadi because he won for his film A Separation uh, several years ago, which was absolutely stunning. Rachel? So I've only seen A Man Called Ovid. So I'm, but I'm, so I'm basing other things upon, you know, speculation and Academy patterns. So I don't have a snub. Now, I think that um, A Man Called Ovid is a very sweet film. Not sure if it should win Best Foreign Language Film, knowing as I do about the other films. Um, I'm going to say, I, I think that Tony Erdman, um, Tony Erdman and The Salesman both sound like pretty remarkable films. When it comes to who I think will win, I think it's a bit of a toss-up. Because yes, The Salesman, we have an already loved director, and we do have the conflict. However, we say Tony Erdman, not only to have the initial buzz, but it's getting adapted into an American version. I think Jack Nicholson has been tapped to play the father. So it's not as if the buzz there has gone away. I agree that comedies are not usually pick, so that could sway it. But I could see this going either way. I'm leaning a little more toward the salesman, but I'd say that Tony Erdman is still in the running. Okay. Um, now we're going to move on to best animated feature. Rachel, let's start with you. So, I don't actually see any glaring snubs this year, which is nice. I think perhaps because a lot of a lot of animation these days has been... We see a lot of animation on TV. Um, a lot of animation innovators are using not film, but different mediums to get out messages or shorter films. So there isn't too much play there this year. Now, Like Is Kubo, certainly when this is their best film yet, it is just stunning, and when you think of the process of putting it together, it really deserves this win. Just, you know, the story as well is so great. Um, just, I just love this film, and I think that it really deserves an Oscar for its many innovations and just its fantasticness overall. Now, who will win? Okay, so, breaking it down. Um, I think is going to win. This is the reason I think Koopa's going to win. The Red Turtle. The Red Turtle Turtle is a Studio Ghibli film. 
Now, Ghibli is nominated often. It's only won once for Spirited Away. Red Turtle has no dialogue. I really doubt the Academy is going to give a dialogue-less film to the animated feature. Because usually the animated feature is a pretty um, well-liked film. I just don't see it happening. Red Turtle, I think, out of the running. My Life is as a Zucchini. It does not have enough buzz. Film buff myself. I actually haven't seen it or heard much about it. I think that I'm going to afterwards. But I just don't think it has the buzz to win. So I think that that's pretty much out of it. Um, when it comes to Zootopia and Moana... I could maybe see Zootopia winning, maybe, but I do think this is going to be a case where we see Kubo come through because I think it really is a clear front runner in terms of um, the aesthetic of the animation as well as the story. I'm very excited about this because this would be the first non-Disney or Pixar affiliate to win since 2012's Rango, and it would be one of only... Aside from Ghibli, it would be the only like small-scale studio picture to win since 2002. Other films have had help from like DreamWorks and stuff like that, but it's very rare to see you know, a studio like Leica get a win. And I think it's going to happen this year, so I'm very excited to see how it plays out. Okay. Uh, Mahek? So I think the one, and I, I don't even know if I'd call it a snub necessarily, um, but the, the one sort of like real kind of standout that didn't happen uh, in this category was Finding Dory. And again, I, I know it's it's a sequel film. The original was definitely <laughs> better. Um, but it was also a very high grossing film. I think one of the one of the top five for 2016 um, and definitely one of the best performing Pixar films. Um, that's definitely a tribute to the legacy of of the original film. And that's a film that came out 15 years ago. And I, or not 15, maybe 13. I don't know. A really long time ago. I was a kid when the first one came out and finding Dory still found its audience. Um, so just based on that, the sort of facts surrounding, it, I'm kind of surprised, but at the same time, I think it's also kind of a tribute to the fact that Disney animation had some really, really uh, successful films this year. Um, some new original films that, um, you know, really struck a chord with audiences and critics alike. And so on that note, um, I do think that Zootopia should win. And I do think it will probably win. Um, just because I, I, I think the messaging in that film was so timely for the climate that we're in right now. Um, it was funny. It was, it was such a unique way to share that messaging on the you know, it was cute. I won't lie. I, I was in a theater with people as young as, you know, children as young as maybe three and then all the way up to 80 year old grandmas. And every single person in that theater was laughing. My mother shed a few tears. I took her to see the film. Um, and it, it, I think it just connected with audiences really well. Um, so I, I foresee it winning. Um, but again, like has been doing some really cool stuff. I know Kubo, as Rachel has talked about and from what I've seen, it's there's an, an immense amount of technique and skill um, in stop animation and stop motion um, that should be celebrated as well. So I could see it coming up other than Zootopia. 
This is this is a bit of an interesting category. Uh, I, I also really love watching the animated shorts, and I do hope I have time to watch it before the award. But how do you judge an animated feature, an animated movie? Are you judging it based on the story it's telling? Are you judging it based on the the voice work or the music, the sound effects? Are you judging on solely on what the images that you are seeing, how it was animated? Because there's so many different kinds. There's stop motion. There's hand drawn. There's CGI, and everything in between. So it's really tough to sort of figure out. Obviously, you know, the best ones should be able to combine all of those things and excel at them. As far as snubs, when are when are we going to get a movie, something like The Jungle Book, which other than Mowgli is 100% animated? Should, what, what, why is that film not considered an animated film and considered live action. You know, a couple years ago with the Lego movie, there is a large chunk of the near the end where it takes place in real life where Will Ferrell is in it, um, not just doing his voice acting. So, so Rachel, do you have any quick thoughts on, on where I'm coming from here? I do. And this is a big debate within the animation community. When we talk about CGI, is this animation, I think that because it is so highly contested within the animation community itself, I doubt that the Oscars are going to go ahead with nominating heavily CGI films until there is kind of more a public consensus and a professional consensus on whether that is or is not a quote-unquote animation. Because as it becomes more prevalent in films, and as you're saying, it's just Mowgli. So this is, this is a real issue that needs to be discussed. You know, CGI is an animation. Technically, yes... Are we seeing it as such in nominations? No. My personal opinions on this are pretty conflicting. But yeah, I doubt that we're going to see CGI being nominated as an animation for a few years, if at all. Okay. Um, and as to your part, point about Kubo, uh, I am a huge like Studio Leica fan. Uh, I wanted to love this movie so much more. I think the animation is phenomenal. Probably their best animation work yet. Uh, unfortunately, I think their story was probably one of the weakest, especially the third act. It really fell apart. The first two acts I really enjoyed, but it doesn't really hold a, a candle to Paranorman and, and Coraline. Um, so unfortunately, because of that that hinders me from saying that they should win or even will win uh so it really comes back to i think zootopia is is the one to beat in this category uh the animation is exquisite the story is really well done it's not really beating you over the head with what its uh morals are supposed to be but it's understandable enough for kids to get it it's simple enough for them to get well not being too over the top for adults in the room as well so i think all those things combined will make zootopia a winner and it was really funny i think that's one thing that's a bit overlooked was this is a really funny movie
moving on, we've got Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, I'll start this one off. I think my big stump for this is the movie Loving. Um, I believe, Mahek, you were someone who I listened to championing this movie early on, uh, Mm -hmm. post-TIFF episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I finally caught up with it, I guess, about a month ago now, and I... I'm loving loving. Uh, I think it was really beautiful and well done. And the fact that they chose to completely ignore the Supreme Court case instead of making that the centerpiece of the movie to continue focusing on just what this family wanted was was absolutely a brilliant idea and it's a damn shame that one this movie did not get any more nominations other than best actress for ruth nega and two that basically no one saw this movie i think it is a damn shame um, yes as far as who should win moonlight you know this is a really simple story as far as on paper it's just the story of a boy growing up and especially with uh, – and then when you start dealing with his struggles as far as dealing with uh, his homosexuality, dealing with uh, coming from a broken home where his mother is addicted to crack uh, and all the struggles that he goes through, especially being bullied and everything like that, I think they told a wonderfully, wonderfully simple story in very complex ways in tackling a whole bunch of subjects. And the dialogue is pretty minimal at times, but when the di- it does get dialogue heavy, I think it all is very natural sounding and really beautiful. And there's a couple, there's there's several key moments where the dialogue just like hits you right in the heart and just breaks you up. And because of that, I also believe Moonlight will win this award. Uh, Mahek? Um, you literally took the words out of my mouth for Moonlight. Um <laughs> Definitely, I agree with everything you said, um, why I think it's the film that should win and why it will win. Um, There's just so much complexity to that film, which is oddly told in a really simple, straightforward way. Um, But you you get a hint and a glimpse into all these different layers and to into this character and, you know, what how he becomes the person that he does and you're with it. You're with it from the beginning. And like you said, there are all these, there are a few key moments in terms of the dialogue. And of course, you know, it's very, I'll, I'll immediately think of Marshall Ali's scene in the ocean. And, um, there's just, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that's unpacked, um, within the screenplay. So I absolutely am on the same page with you for that. In terms of snubs, um, why didn't loving come to my mind for this category? <laughs> and it totally should have. Um, I do agree with you on those points. I was thinking about <clears throat> nocturnal animals, um, for this. Now I'm not familiar with the source material for nocturnal animals, but I, I do think that the manner in which Tom Ford and um, you know, how he was able to pull the story together. I, I know he didn't, actually, I don't know if he wrote this play, but um, just the way that story within a story um, concept kind of came to life in this film, it was done pretty, pretty smoothly, I would think. And I, I was on board with it. I, I, I liked uh, the approach that they took with it. And um, I mean, the, the internal story with Aaron Taylor Johnson was, was enough. It was kind of it, some of the some of the lines in that part kind of like freaked me out a little bit because he's kind of crazy. But um, I, I yeah, I, I kind of thought that was one that I was like, okay, I'm I'm not totally surprised, but it, it would have been interesting to have seen that in the mix. Uh, 
As a lover of a single man, I was frustrated that I didn't love nocturnal animals more. Um, mm-hmm. Rachel, what about you? Um, so, for adapted screenplay, my snub is, drumroll, Hunt for the Wilder Yay. People, <laughs> which was actually based on the book Wild Pork and Watercross by Mary Crump. Um, now, not just because I love this movie, I think when we talk about adapted screenplay, this I don't think there's any part of this that comes off stilted. Sometimes you get um, the book to movie adaptation. A little bit of a sense of, like, this wasn't made for film. You know, there's a little bit of a sense where you can tell that it's a medium crossover. And there is none of that in The Hunt for Wilder People. The casting is just a bang on to bring these characters to life. I think it's just a wonderful film. And again, I'm sad it didn't get any love at all at the Oscars this year. Not much more to say. Who should win, and luckily who will win, is Moonlight. There's no way Moonlight won't win this category, as it is not in competition with La La Land. Um, just a fantastic story, a timely story, and one of the the more, you know, often described as a better boyhood. It's a very real story, in that these are real people, people who you can honestly believe you know, they're not tropes. You know, you see someone like Marichal Lee's character who could fall into a trope, but instead is a fully human, rounded character. Uh, it's just it's just wonderful writing. It's just phenomenal writing brought to the screen in a beautiful way with the deft hand, and it will win this category. Okay. Uh, moving on then to the original screenplay. Mehek, let's start with you. So... There's this film that came out um, in late 2016 called The Edge of 17, uh, starring Haley Steinfeld um, and Woody Harrelson. He's in that as well. And I I think a lot of people, like, they'll, they'll kind of look at this movie and they'll be like, oh, another teen movie. But I, I think the there's a huge, like, kind of rarity for a teen movie in these days to actually be good. And The Edge of 17 was the last movie that I saw at TIFF. And I oddly deeply connected with the sort of story of the film. Uh, there may have been a few tears shed. I'm not going to confirm nor deny that. Um, but it was, it was wildly humorous. It was so human um, for, you know, the, the actual essential human experiences, like disgust and sort of um, experience with Haley Steinfeld's character was so relatable. And I think it was just a really smartly built teenage movie um, that dealt with larger themes that kind of took it outside of its its genre in a way. Um, it was really it was it was just a really well executed script um, that was funny, that was touching, and that took you back to those feelings of being in high school and or that feeling of being in adolescence and not not knowing where the world was going to take you next. Um, and I, I it, it's weird because Haley Steinfeld got a little recognition at the Globes which is a totally different system than the, than the Academy Awards, but I would have loved to have seen this film gain a little more traction. I think it's going to be one of those sleeper hits over the next few months, maybe when it gets picked up on Netflix and stuff like that, but it was one screenplay that I, I really fell in love with. Um, I was super excited to see The Lobster nominated in this category, and therefore I will definitely vouch for it and say that I would love for it to win. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on Netflix now. It's this really weird dark comedy um about this dystopian future where you you know if you're a single person you get the option to enter this hotel and you get 45 days to find a partner 
And if you don't, then you get turned into an animal. Um, so obviously people will be wondering, does Colin Farrell turn into the lobster? Well, I'm not going to spoil that for you, but I will definitely encourage you to go see if it happens or not. It's, it's weirdly sarcastic. It's dry humor. Um, it's, which is my favorite kind of humor. Um, and it, it's a totally different take on a dystopian type of story in a way that will, you know, you'll kind of be like, what? And then you'll be like, yeah, okay, let's do this. So I would love for it to win. Who do I think will win? I'm going to give it back to La La Land again. I just, I have a feeling it's, it's going to hit in a lot of these major categories. Um, you know, going back to this entire world that Damon Chazelle and his team built, um, you know, it's not exactly the most original story in terms of, you know, the, the couple they meet, they fall in love, but where it takes you at the end, I think is enough to kind of make me be on board with the idea of it winning the screenplay award. Okay. Um, uh, Rachel. Um, so I don't necessarily have a strong snub for this one. Um, I do have some conflicted feelings about who should win because I honestly think between, for me, it's between the lobster and 20th century women, not who will win, but who should win. The lobster is absurd and fantastic and just so, I mean, best original screenplay. It's so original. It is just an original piece. I think it should be appreciated as such. 20th century women does just a really lovely job of fleshing out characters and I'm going to come back to it in a second and so perhaps not for the screenplay so much I kind of wish it had been nominated in some different categories but I do love I do love the writing and yeah the lobster just fantastic absurd original great who will win it'll be La La Land let's not kid ourselves La La Land will win this category Moonlight will win adapted La La Land will win original and then it'll be a fight to the death for best picture (laughs) Um, for me, I think my big snub is once again, Hail Caesar. This movie was so funny, but it also has so many interesting layers. There's, there's two really great scenes. Um, one early on when Josh Brolin's character, uh, assembles all of these different religious figures to ask if the depiction of the Christ figure is accurate enough for their liking that it will not offend the different religious personalities. And instead of debating the merits of depicting Jesus on screen, you have a priest and a rabbi and a mom or something. <laughs> they end up debating more about the actual movie itself and the Hollywood machine, which is absolutely hilarious because that's not what the punchline was set up to be. The punchline was set up to be them arguing about who uh, Jesus should be depicted as. And then another great moment is um, the Alden Ehrenreich and the Ray Fine scene where Ray Fine is trying to instruct him to say, what did it twirl so simple? What did it twirl so simple? Just say what I'm saying. What did it twirl so simple? What did it twirl so simple? And it just goes on for way longer than it should. And by the end of it, you're just laughing at just how absurd it is. And it's easily one of my favorite moments of last year. And it was such a funny line. And I know I, I sometimes I'll just find myself sitting on the bus just saying that to myself. What did it twirl so simple what did it was so simple and i sound like an absolute idiot um, i totally forgot about that scene and now i really want to watch hail caesar again <laughs> right? just for that one moment yes <laughs> say your line exactly as i'm about to just as i'm about to do sure okay would the tutor so simple 
Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say it were? Well, you should say it like I said. Yes. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Would that it would that it were so simple. Watch my mouth. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Keep your head still. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. I'm trying to say that, Mr. Lawrence. Lawrence. Hmm. I thought. A minute ago, it was Lorraine. No, we can use Christian names, my good dear boy. Lawrence is fine, just as I call you Hobie. Okay. So, would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? Hand down now. Would that it were so simple? Trippingly. Would that it were so simple? Trippingly. No, don't say trippingly. Say the line trippingly. Would that it were... Would that it... Would that it were so simple? 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 But so funny and at the same time so scary. Like this is like three different movies in one for each yeah. know, act mm-hmm. of the movie. They are all so wildly different, uh, and I think it does a fantastic job balancing it with some great humor, some great heart, and some really scary tense moments. I'm gonna buck the trend of who I think will win. I think Manchester by the Sea will be given the award. Uh, as a sorry you're not winning best picture Um, Mm. i think the dialogue in this is fantastic uh the the actual plotting of the story is pretty basic using flashback narratives and things like that using a non-linear storyline to fill in the blanks but the dialogue is where this movie really shines and frankly i think la la land screenplay was probably the worst part about it Um, i'd agree yeah, it, it's yeah. It, it's just like La La Land is a lot of things great. The dialogue and and the story structuring itself is not its strong point. Uh, moving on, now we're getting into the really big stuff. We're gonna start with, start out with best supporting actor. Uh, for me, my big snub was Hell or High Waters Ben Foster. I couldn't decide between Ben Foster or Chris Pine, but I'm thinking. Chris Pine is probably the lead actor in that movie, so I'm going to say Ben Foster should have been nominated over Jeff Bridges. I know that might be a bit of a a crazy thing to say, but I I really do believe it, and he should have been in there. Uh, Who should win and who will win? Mahershala Ali. It's so so simple to say this. Um, He's only in that first chunk of the movie the first chapter of moonlight but he's so perfect in it a lot of people are going to point to the swimming lesson scene or even the scene uh right after that when he's talking about the story of uh how black boys look blue in the moonlight uh the, the play's original title not the movie but for me i think his key scenes come in right at the very end when Chiron is asking questions about his mother being a drug addict and more the reactions and the thinking that is going on inside of Mahershala Ali is really the strongest moment for me of his character Uh, so yeah it's it's a really simple should win will win Mahershala Ali I think he is the one to beat Rachel yeah I can't even think about snub or anything just Mayor Shali he should have been nominated he was nominated and he's gonna win 
I agree with you. My favorite scene is definitely him at the table sitting um, with Sharon and his wife, girlfriend, significant other, just for the the subtle emotional plays and the look on his face and how it changes. It's just, it's just amazing acting. It's amazing acting and it lasts with you throughout the film in a way where it's supposed to, in a way where there are these small nods in his character and there are these ways that he, his character is echoed in Chiron. And I think that it's intentional that he had that strong performance. So you do think back to that character and you do think of the similarities and differences between him and the way that Chiron decided to grow up and, you know, this character of um, black. Uh, So I just, I don't know. I think it's just a clear path for him to victory on this one as it should be. Mahak. Yeah. I'm definitely in agreement with both of you for Marshall Ali. And I, I think, you know, in addition to, executing this really beautiful performance like you guys said that sticks with you throughout the entire film he just seems like the most gracious person um as Mm. i've seen him throughout this entire press tour that i'm like you go on and get your damn oscar okay it's It's not even a performance anymore it's just like you are a beautiful man who is so eloquent (laughs) and you know you know how to how to work this in such a humble way and you're so deserving of it um, but it is, of course, rooted in a really incredible performance, um, which it's just, there's nothing else to say about him. Um, in terms of, you know, snubs, the only one that really came to mind for me was Aaron Taylor Johnson. Again, I know a lot of people have some mixed feelings about his performance in Nocturnal Animals and of that film on, as a whole. But I really thought that that was some standout work for him. He won a Golden Globe for a supporting actor, um, and I don't think they were wrong in awarding him for it. He, it's it's a really weird turn from in terms of his um, his acting sort of spectrum and ability. Um, the character is kind of it ir- he irks me, but I think that's just a testament to what Aaron Taylor Johnson does um, with that character. Uh, the only other person that I kind of am like maybe will win, but that's like a, literally a 05 percent is. Lucas Hedges, who was in Manchester by the Sea. I, I'm not, I have a lot that I could say about Manchester by the Sea, but one of the few positive things that I will say is that Lucas Hedges is like, he is a shining star. Um, I think this is one of his first major film roles. And he just, you know, from when I saw it at TIFF, he just immediately stood out to me. And I'm so glad he got nominated. And I hope to see more from him, if not at this awards show. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, so best supporting actress. Um, let's uh, let's throw it right back to you, Mahak. So, there. Firstly, the females this year are just killing it. There's so many great mm-hmm. performances. Um, Octavia Spencer was nominated for Hidden Figures, and I think Octavia Spencer will always be incredibly talented, and she's very much deserving of this nomination in terms of her work for this film. But when I look at that cast, the one person who kind of stood out to me from the supporting roles a little bit more was actually Janelle Monet. Um, I think she was, you know, and she was in Moonlight as well. And I was like, okay, like, nice pick. She did a pretty good job. But I felt like she had some some real moments in Hidden Figures that kind of made me think twice about her. And, you know, there's always that little doubt in your mind about singers and musicians becoming actors and you know, um, kind of exploring that craft differently. And I feel like in Hidden Figures, she just 
she had a bit more of a standout performance to me than Octavia did. And that's not to take away from Octavia's performance, but I just, I just felt like Janelle stuck with me a little bit more. And I identified with her character more um, as a result of how she kind of pushed forward this person who, you know, faces some, some challenges and some, some barriers at home or, you know, some doubts, but continues to push on so that she could achieve her dreams in a place that, or in a time that really didn't permit her character to do so necessarily. And she fought through and she achieved it. And it was, I was very on board with that story in terms of who will, who should win and who will win. I think ultimately Viola Davis gave the strongest performance out of all these women. Um, And they all had really special moments, but I, I think the entirety of fences is really anchored on her delivery. And, you know, there is that one scene where she's just like, this snot coming out of her nose and she's like desperately crying and angrily. And like, it's just like this whole, this whole emotional experience that you go through with her character um, that I think the entire film really hinges on is what she does. Um, but I do want to give a little props to Naomi Harris for this character as well. Cause she did the entirety of her moonlight um, work in two days and she did an incredible job. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, Rachel. So my snub was also, this is funny, me and Dakota had a bit of a discussion about how um, Janelle Monet kind of split her opportunity for Best Supporting Actress nod by being in both Moonlight and Hidden Figures. And I actually think that she was snubbed in Hidden Figures. I think that she had quite a great presence in that film. But I also agree that she was great in, I mean, yeah, um, I, I think that she was snubbed for Moonlight, and she had a great presence in that film, but I also agree that she was great in Hidden Figures. So I think this is just a case of splitting the vote and making it so she wasn't going to get nominated either way. Unfortunately, though, she deserved it. Now, I think Naomi Harris should win. I think she was fantastic in this film. I do think that she was she was the only one, um, as me and Dakota have discussed previously, in all three parts of Moonlight. She's the only continuous character I think she was very strong in this film. I think it doesn't seem as though she's the strongest actress, but I think it's because she is someone who starts, you know, as perhaps a younger adult, but she's an adult at the beginning and adult at the end. You don't see her have the progression um, that some of the other younger characters, such as the main character, do. But I still think that she really shines in this film. However, I think Michelle Williams will win this for Manchester by the Sea. I think that's going to be Manchester's big win um, this year. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm running the same boat for the snub is Janelle Monet. I actually can't decide which one she should be nominated for. <laughs> or Moonlight. Uh, especially since, you know, if, if, uh, Naomi Harris wasn't nominated, I'd say, Oh, Janelle Monet should be nominated for Moonlight. And, um, if Octavia Spencer wasn't nominated, I would have said, okay, Janelle Monet should be nominated for hidden figures. So that way there's the representation for one of those films, but because they're both there, it's so sure. tough to say. And I don't know which performance I actually like better because they're so different. Um, as far as who I think should win, Naomi Harris, I think, gives a really powerful performance. Um, and the fact that she did all her work in two days is absolutely stunning. I also think she will win. But I think it's looking like Viola Davis might end up winning. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Naomi Harris is this year's Best Supporting Actress. 
Going on to Best Actor, I think this snub is for Joel Edgerton for Loving, because much like Ruth yes. Nega got the nomination <laughs> for Best Actress, I think it should have been right up there because he helps carry that film just as much as she does. Sure, the, I think the reason why he was nominated wasn't nominated was because he doesn't talk very much but that just shows how much more acting he's doing in the film as far as non-verbal acting and he does a great job mumbling through his lines and having a, a vague look of confusion and anger for most of the movie but he does it in such a way that you always understand what he's thinking and feeling and it's just so beautiful and it's a shame that he wasn't nominated um, because we know what Joel Edgerton is capable of he's usually a big loud brash guy and seeing him in such a quiet role just shows how talented of an actor he is who should win I was a big fan of Captain Fantastic and Viggo Mortensen's performance. I think he gives a really delicate performance, uh, showing a lot of range. Uh, he, this is also someone that we know very well what he is capable of doing and seeing him in this such a paternal role and trying to do best by his uh, horde of kids is just really stunning to watch. Now, who will win? This is so tough. You know, when the nominations came out, I thought it was a foregone conclusion Casey Affleck was going to win. But lately, it really seems like Denzel Washington has been creeping up on it and it can go either way at this point but I'm still going to say that by the time the votes were cast Casey Affleck was the one that will probably end up on top Mahek what about you we are literally twinsies in every single element of this category because I agree Joel Edgerton I always butcher his last name Um, he gave like he is just as strong as a performer as Ruth Nega in that film. And they both carry it so beautifully together. It's a quiet performance, like you said, but it, it, it should have been recognized. I think loving as a whole could have, could have had a bigger presence this season. Um, but it unfortunately didn't. Um, I do think that Denzel Washington should win when I look at the nominees for this category. I just, and it's funny because initially when I saw offenses, I was like, yeah, okay. It was good. It wasn't great, but it kind of sat with me and things that sit with me for a while are usually the things that I like to give a little more credit towards. Um, I just, I, you know, as a director in this, for this film, as well as one of the lead actors, I I think he did an incredible job of balancing both roles and then obviously executing this character um, in a really kind of oddly terrifying way. Um, I was, I was a little apprehensive about how he would be, but he definitely executed it well. I agree. Casey Affleck will probably be the one who will take this in the end. Um, I think Casey's performance in Manchester by the Sea is an interesting one. I, I do think there's a lot of a lot to be said about something that's very restrained, um, and you know, it's it's a very oddly human in a way. Um, and I, I just feel like, given the trajectory of the entire Manchester story since its premiere at Sundance last year, and the way Casey's been making the rounds. Um, I just feel like he's poised to win this. Um, but I, I would prefer that he not, but we'll see. Okay. Um, Rachel? So I'm with you guys in everything but the snub. Now, the snub that I saw is the best actor. I think it would be best actor, not best supporting. That I've seen a few talk about, but not enough in my opinion, would be Trevon Rhodes for his portrayal of Black and Moonlight. I think that this was the strongest performance in the whole movie, perhaps, perhaps even on par with Marshall Ali, I think the way in which 
he begins as this hard character when it opens on um, the latter part of the film with Chiron and his oldest that we see him. And the change that happens when he meets up with an old friend and that subtlety and that continuity somehow with the younger actors, with his younger counterparts, is just phenomenal. And I really want to see him in more films. And I do wish he got acknowledgement for this for his role in this film because I think that he really does make it. He brings it together in that last part and is just one of the stronger performances that I've seen in a while. I think Viggo Mortensen should win this category. Um, great film, largely due to his acting in it, I would say. I mean, great script as well, great cast in general, but I think this is the most he's shined in a while. He's called it, I believe, his favorite film he's ever done, and you can see why. It's beautiful, it's interesting, it looks fun to shoot, and he just shines in it. I think Casey Affleck will probably win, perhaps Denzel, but I think I had been a little too late for that. I agree in terms of when the buzz started coming in for that. Probably going to be Casey Definitely not Vigo, though I wish it was. If I should close my eyes That my soul can't see And there's a place at the table That you save for me So many thousand miles O'er land and sea I hope today That you hear my prayer Somehow I'll be there It's but a concrete floor Where my head will lay the walls of this prison Now moving on to Best Actress. Uh, Rachel, if you want to take that away. Sure. I mean, I'll just say the obvious. The fact that Amy Adams was not nominated in this cast is ridiculous. She gave a phenomenal performance in Arrival. Whether or not I think that she should have won, were she nominated, is beside the point. Listen, Florence Foster Jenkins was a good movie. It was a fun movie. It was not Meryl Streep's performance in that film. I love Meryl. She's been in so many films, and she's always great. But that performance did not stand out. Like, Amy Adams' performance did in Arrival. The fact that she is nominated in this category, and Amy Adams is not is almost on par with some sort of Academy nepotism for Meryl Streep. I don't know. I love Meryl, but this is a little strange for me. This is pushing the envelope. I don't understand how that is how things played out here because she really deserved the nomination. One of, I think, the best performances in in Amy Adams' career. Now, who should win? Two standouts for me here. I mean, Ruth Nega, fantastic. Now, Isabel Hubert, I'm really glad that she was nominated as actress in a leading role. I think that that was surprising. I think she deserved it. I think she is this remarkably strong actress um, who really deserves this acknowledgement. Aside from that, Natalie Portman. I mean, Natalie Portman held up this entire film. You know, she was Jackie. She really embodied her so well. I think not giving her acknowledgement for that would be ridiculous. So, of course, they nominated her. And I think she could win for this. I could see her winning for this because of I, I don't think I've ever seen Natalie Portman embody a role as much as this. I think this will be a real game changer for her. And I think I can see the Academy acknowledging her for it. 
Okay. Um, I, I'm going to agree. You know, the Amy Adams snub is huge, and it's completely because of uh, Nocturnal Animals must have split her, her nomination, <laughs> which is a shame. Uh, who should win? I think Natalie Portman uh, gives a real tour de force performance that is very complicated to the point where you leave that movie still not knowing what you should feel about uh, Jackie Kennedy. You, you wonder, was she a good person? Was she a good wife? Was she a good mother? Did she care more about her image? All these sort of really interesting questions. Uh, and the film does not answer them for you. And, they, and I think it's a really fascinating way to do it. Who I think will win? I think it's going to be Emma Stone. And I really don't think she deserves it this year, unfortunately. I'm not a big Emma Stone fan. And I think that um, Ruth Nega uh, and Natalie Portman are both much more deserving. I have not seen Elle yet, uh, and I wasn't crazy about Florence Foster Jenkins, uh, but I think Meryl Streep did give a, probably a better performance than Emma Stone uh, as well. So she's really at the bottom of my ballot. Um, heck, did we do you yet? No. No? Okay. I don't. Not yet. Okay. That's um, what I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty much in a similar boat with you guys. Um I haven't seen Arrival and it's odd because I spent about five hours trying to rush Arrival during TIFF and then I I just somehow never made it to a movie theater after that. So I've officially spent more time trying to see the movie and then I and then actually the amount of time I'll end up spending seeing it uh, when that does happen. But I, I think what's really applicable here is what Adele said about Beyonce at the Grammys. What does Amy Adams have to do to get a nomination and then to win an Academy Award? Um, I, you know, I haven't seen her performance, so I can't judge her based on this. But Amy Adams is one of the best actresses that we have in this industry right now. And it's a damn shame that she hasn't been acknowledged for that fact um, by the Academy yet. Um, all I can say for her is hopefully next year, girl. Um, the other sort of, you know, maybe snub uh, was Taraji P. Henson for Hidden Figures. Um, I, I love Taraji. She's like a queen in my books. But, um, you know, I, I'm not surprised at the same time, given some of the other performances. And I'm really happy that Ruth Nega got in there uh, for Loving. It was one of the few nominations of film, or is it the only nomination that the film received? Maybe the second. Um, but it was, I'm happy for that in terms of who I think should win exactly what Rachel said, Natalie Portman, she just embodied this character. It was a a full, like, it wasn't just like an adaptation. It was a full, I'm going to take her and I'm going to wear her kind of thing. Um, and I, it just, it, it was a performance that got under my skin. It was so creepily good. Um, who do I think will end up winning? I do think it will be Emma Stone in the end. I think she's been playing the sort of political side and the the parties and the press and the you know the publicity for, for La La Land and for this whole award season really well. She gives a, a pretty decently strong performance. I think the entire film is sort of there to push her character forward, especially towards the end of the film where she gets that one uh, solo, um, which kind of pushes her entire performance over the edge to that next level. Um, so I think the Academy is going to identify with that. And I think they're going to award her for it. 
Okay. Uh, now we're on to our last two categories. So we'll go with best director. Uh, I will start this off. I think Taylor Sheridan for Hello High Water definitely should have been nominated. This is my favorite movie from last year. Uh, I think it was a fun, exciting, timely appropriate movie dealing with uh the financial issues going on in north america specifically in smaller towns in the united states but was very applicable overall it makes a great double billing with something like um uh the big short uh which was a movie i also quite adored so it's a damn that Taylor Sheridan was not nominated this year. As far as who should win, I, I think Damien Giselle really was the master of the craft of directing, as in being in control of all the technical elements going on in his film. And, and La La Land, really on a technical level, is absolutely superb. And, and I think he should win. And I also think he will win for that. Uh, Mahek, what about you? Um, in terms of snubs, I, I really love the lobster guys. Like I, <laughs> I saw that at TIFF, it was a last minute ticket view and I got in there and it was like pure sweet victory, not only because I got in, but because the film was just so damn good and it stuck with me ever since I saw it almost two years ago. Um, and I would have loved to have seen, I'm sorry if I butcher his name, Yorgos Lanthimos, yes, that's uh, the director said. of, yes, awesome. Um, I would have loved to see him acknowledged for his work on this film because, it's, you know, if you're going to deliver and really fully realize a screenplay that is this like weird and dark, you got to be able to support the vision for it and, and be able to really adapt it for the big screen in a way that gets people on board. And I, he just did that. I was immersed in it from the get go. And I, I love the style of the film as well. So but I'm not surprised. Um, who should win? Who will win? It's going to be Damien Chazelle. I don't think there's really any odds about that or, you know, I don't think there's going to be any other option really. Although Barry Jenkins would have been great and he still might, but I do think Damien Chazelle is going to take it. I think he had the vision for this film. He pulled it all together really beautifully. And it's a really, it would be a really incredible story for the Academy to tell um, two creators out there that, you know, at the age of 32, you can, you, there is the option and the ability to achieve the golden statue, right? And to have someone that young, who I believe would be, he would be the youngest in the Academy history to win a Best Director award. Um, that's a great story to tell, and he's definitely deserving of it. Okay. Uh, Rachel? Well, to start off, my snob is Mike Mills for 20th Century Women. Now, I'm not so sure if screenplay so much, but certainly directing Mike Mills also directed one of my other favorite films, with Beginners. He has a very specific vision, and you see this play out in his films. I couldn't call him an auteur because he does not have enough work out yet, but there is certainly something bordering on that when you see the films which he directs. It is certainly his touch, and I wish that he had been acknowledged for that. Now, who should win and who will win? I agree that the technical elements in La La Land are fantastic, but the more work I do in the industry, the more I find it's hard to separate at times the director from the work because it's hard to know how how involved they are, right? Unless you're there or unless there's like these set pieces, like the clips, you know, and the pieces on it. It's hard to know how involved they were in these different elements, the tweaking, you know, this, that, the other, having their hands in everything. 
So for me with directing, I, I honestly equate directing quite closely with the film. And so I have to say Barry Jenkins. Um, I think that the vision for this film, you know, there's the director has a large hand in executing a vision no matter what. And I think this was just so wonderfully executed that for me, separating Barry Jenkins from Moonlight is difficult. And so I have to say, I think he's the most deserving. Damien Chazelle will win. Not to say he isn't deserving. I think he is. I, I personally like Whiplash much more than I like La La Land. And so I, I'm a fan of his. I'm a fan of his. I saw Whiplash when premiered. I saw him. It's all great. And I'm glad he's getting acknowledgement. Do I wish that Barry Jenkins would win? Yes. Am I upset that Damien Chazelle will win? No, I think he's great. Okay, then. Um, let's move on to Best Picture, then. Uh, this is the, the big final category. Are any of you going to make some interesting, bold proclamations, or are we all going to play it safe? <laughs> uh, Mahek, let's start with you. Okay, so when it comes to the snubs, it's two films that I've already spoken about. Um I really wish Loving gained traction, more traction during award season. It's just such a beautifully subtle film um, when it, in every element, really. And like you mentioned earlier, Dakota, it could have gone the route where they had this huge court scene and it was this very typical drama. And it's one of those, it could have become one of those very commonly crowd-pleasing films, which... No offense to Hidden Figures, but it kind of falls in line with that. Or films like The Imitation Game, where it's like, you know, you're on board with this whole arc and there's these huge climatic scenes and then you're kind of like, you're there, right? But I, I like that, you know, that they that they took a different route with loving and that you still, you're very invested in this story and about this, about this genuine love that these two people have for one another. And somehow by focusing on that rather than the dramatics around it, you, you really feel for their story that much more. Um, so I, I wish it would have gone further. Um, and then the other film, and I, I hope I'm not overhyping it for when people watch it, but I genuinely really loved Edge of 17. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a film that it, like I mentioned before, it just, it so smartly tackles the adolescence experience, but in a way that's really accessible, humorous, and emotional too. Um, and I think Haley Steinfeld gave a really standout performance uh, for someone, you know, who's, you know, she's been with the Academy before, she's been nominated before, but she's kind of grown up now. And this is a great, great new starting point for her. Um, and I would have loved to have seen Edge of 17 get into the conversation a bit more. But I know it's going to become a popular film uh, in the months to come. As for who should win, I actually initially put down La La Land. But throughout the day, I've been thinking about this, not only in preparation for tonight's, you know, for our recording, but and not only because of the Oscar pool that's going on in my office, but um, I've been thinking about why Moonlight has stuck with me so much, even though I only, I've only seen it once. And I saw it from the second row at a theater uh, at the Scotiabank Theater in Toronto. I waited three hours to get in. And I remember leaving that theater, like, weirdly hopeful, um, weirdly, really touched by the human experience um, that was displayed on the screen before me about this, this deep subject of masculinity and black masculinity and homosexuality and the experiences that we go through with our communities and how those shape us. 
And I think that's, those are some of the elements that really made me believe in Moonlight um, as a story, as a film, um, as Chiron, as the character. Um, it, it's just so beautiful. And so I would love to see all of that be acknowledged as a best picture um, because it really touches that true human emotional chord. But I will say that La La Land will probably take it. It's deserving in so many ways. It's a beautiful, vibrant, big film. Um, it's it's what you would hope for from original from an original film, and it's a musical that even people who hate musicals will probably enjoy it on some level. Um, and I think so much has already been said about it, and so much has been accomplished with this film that it will probably win, and it does deserve to win in so many ways. Okay, Rachel. Okay, I have no snubs. I'm not. I mean, this is, it's Moonlight. Moonlight, that's it. It's Moonlight. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's just because, okay, La La Land is a great film, but it's not saying anything new. And in my opinion, unless that's kind of all there is, and unless it's like the best movie I've seen in my entire life, best picture has to say something new or it has to have some relevance to this moment, right? You want this movie to kind of slap you in the face This is the best picture, right? It's the best one. Um, I think in a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, people have brought up a few issues with La La Land. One of them being, you know, it's super white. You know, there's the big joke about like, oh, but, but like, but, uh, oh, what's his name? John Legend. What's his name? John, but John Legend isn't it? It's like the big kind of joke, right? It's like, he's like the only person alive in this universe who's not super white. Um, I just think that, and I mean, not to say it's not a great film, because it is a great film. That doesn't not make it not a great film. But I think that it's a good movie. It's a super well-done movie. It's a really great examination and kind of play off these old Hollywood mechanisms. But I don't think there's anything out there like Moonlight. I think that it is particular in its construction, execution, and the story it tells, particularly when it comes to not just um, male blackness, but male blackness and queer identity. That's something that isn't approached much, period. I mean, even just um, queer identity and blackness, period, is kind of relatively new, newly treaded territory within mainstream media. So when it comes to, um, you know, not just queerness, but homosexuality, this is new and important territory, and to have the story told so deftly and with such an impact. I mean, it's like you were saying, you leave the theater and you just feel so affected. I mean, I cried for a bit after I saw it. It just really hits you, and it's, I mean, I use this word a lot, but it's just real, right? These are, it's as if you are, you know, watching real people, and even though it constructs this beautiful photo, you can get lost in the narrative as if, you are seeing this unfold, even with these moments, even with the more artistic changes. This is the life of a young man, and somehow it's continuous through these three acting performances and through these changes. This is one person, and you believe that. And achieving that is so remarkable. And I, I, I don't know. I just I love this movie. I think it should be rewarded. I'm going to say it's going to win. I don't care. I want to put that out there. (laughs) I I want the Academy to come through. I want this film to win. I think it's clear to me that this film deserves to win. Not that La La Land isn't great, 
but I just I don't think it deserves the win this year, and I hope that Moonlight will get that recognition. All right. Uh, and then for me, I think my, my big snub is either Hail Caesar or Jackie. I think both should be there. Jackie, it's shocking that it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Hail Caesar, they just didn't play the game this year. The Coens don't care about the Oscars anymore. They, I don't think they ever really did. And so the fact that they didn't push it out there and were doing press themselves is, is completely obvious why Hail Caesar wasn't nominated for anything other than production. So it's not really a surprise. Rachel, yeah, everything you said, I agree. Moonlight definitely should be the one that wins. And I think it's still a bit of a bold prediction to say Moonlight will win because La La Land has the 14 nominations. They're most likely going to win the most awards throughout the night. They seem like the presumptuous winner. We're mostly picking them to win Best Director as well. So all signs point to La La Land winning. But I really do think La La Land will win Best Director. Moonlight will win Best Picture. Yes, basically. Yes, Dakota. That—that's yes. my bold statement. <laughs> I would yes. for it to happen. I'm not saying that I wouldn't because I. Like, yeah, I don't know. But interesting, very interesting. Of course, we're all probably going to look like idiots. No, yeah. we're, we're all <laughs> no, we're all going to be fools. We we don't know what we're talking about at all. And the day after the Oscars, you know, maybe uh, Hacksaw Ridge is the Best Picture winner this year. <sighs> You know, oh, I yeah. was shocked at all by that because just based on how many nominations the film got, I was like, wow, the Academy really loves Mel Gibson again. <laughs> like, they really love him. So you never know. You never know. You never know. know. All that said, I think we've rambled on long enough. Mahek, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I hope everyone listens to the Capsule Podcast, which Mahek co-hosts with Sean Chin, uh, and she always does fantastic work for Live in Limbo. Um, make sure you make sure you follow her at with the Mahek. Thank you so much for for joining us this year, Mahek. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for all the kind words. I love coming on Capsule. It's so, oh, not Capsule, ContraZoom and <laughs> Capsule. I am on Capsule too, but ContraZoom. I love talking about film, and this has been a lot of fun, guys. So thank you. Well, we always. Hey Dakota, where's my that. appreciation? Well, I'm coming to that, and <laughs> as always, to uh, the amazing ContraZoom co-host Rachel oh. Gordon. You've been fantastic oh. ever since you uh, joined oh. me on this adventure, and I super appreciate. It. I've learned so much listening to you and, and reading your work, and um, good luck with all of your picks. <laughs> thank you well it was fun as always i'm sorry that i was kind of (coughs) timely enough hacking my way through this but yeah it was i feel like it was a great talk rambling for like two and a half hours with you guys so make sure you check out the show notes on liveandlimbo.com make sure you follow at live in limbo at contrazoompod i'm at dgapa on behalf of all of us here live in limbo uh i hope you enjoy the oscars and good luck with your pools and if this helps you win then uh hey share some of the prize money with whoever correctly predicted best 
picture, I guess. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. Have a good day. Bye-bye.